Welcome to this edition of Buy, Hold, Sell, brought to you by Livewire Markets. In this weekly show, you'll catch two fund managers who'll share their views on a selection of listed companies, both here and overseas. Hit the subscribe button on your podcast player to be notified of new episodes each week. And don't forget that all the views expressed are general in nature and you should seek your own advice before making any decisions of your own. That's all from me. Sit back, relax and enjoy the latest edition of Buy, Hold, Sell. Hey, how you doing? And welcome to Livewise Buy, Hold, Sell. I'm Ali Selby, and today we're very lucky to be joined by two of the best performing fund managers from 2022. That's Ben McGarry from Totus Capital and Neil Margolis from Merlong Capital. Today, we'll be learning about how they did it, as well as some of their top picks for the year ahead. Okay, let's dive straight in. I want to know what investors needed to get right last year to outperform. What did you do that helped you deliver that stellar performance? So last year was all about um, multiple D-rate on rising interest rates um, and the companies that had the highest multiples had the biggest um, downside uh, D-rating potential and avoiding those was key to doing well in 2022. So uh, tech and in particular unprofitable tech was the um, place to avoid and we had some shorts in that space in 2022. Um, the other thing that you had to do well was pivot to value. Uh, resource stocks did very, very well. And if you're an Aussie investor, the big four banks were a good place to hide. Do you think that's still going to play out in 2023 or is it a new environment for investing now? Yeah, I, I think that it, we're probably in a new environment with higher rates um, and a little bit higher inflation than what we're used to. And typically it's unusual for the leaders of the previous boom to, to lead the next boom. So I think people should be careful about just rushing straight back into those tech leaders um, because they're down materially. It's a good chance it's something different that leads the next boom and we think resources is a reasonable candidate for that. Okay, over to you, Neil. What did you do right last year? Thanks, Ali. Well, at Merlon, we value sustainable cash flow at long-term discount rates, and that was rich, richly rewarded last year as inflation triggered, obviously, as we well know, you know significant rises in interest rates. Uh, as Ben said, leading into 2022, low interest rates had boosted the valuations, not the earnings, that's as important, that boosted the valuations of long-duration growth stocks. Uh, commodities was the other theme where you had recovering demand uh, meeting an underinvestment in supply, which caused commodity prices to go above trend. And do you feel like that could reverse this year or what do you think could happen? Well, interestingly, I had a look that in, in 2022, it was the worst year in 100 for both equities and bonds combined. They both fell double digits, which actually hasn't happened in 100 years. But then I looked to the first five weeks of this year is the best year since 1987 for cross-asset returns, which is, means that both bonds and equities are going up. So um, I think more important than what I think is, is what's priced in. And I think this Goldilocks scenario where inflation just mag magically glides back um, and we don't lose any jobs is mostly priced in. The scenario where inflation sticks around or we need a recession to get rid of it um, is not priced in. Okay, our readers love it when fund managers admit what they got wrong. I know you had a very successful year last year. Were there any mistakes that you made and what did you learn from them? Uh, yes, I mean, mistakes are obviously important to learn from. I had a look through, I mean, the stock that performed the worst in our portfolio was only down about 15% over the year was Unibel Redamco Westfield, which is uh, obviously the old Westfield malls in the US and Europe, plus the Redamco malls. And it had a very strong period leading in. I think it was up 44% the day the vaccine was announced, which was two years prior. 
the market's quite concerned about the high debt levels. So when there was fears of a recession, it, it, it underperformed. Uh, you know, the way we look at it is it's on a yield of 10% to equity and trading on less than half book. So a lot of bad news is factored in and the debt is quite long duration. Uh, if that debt proves to be a problem for, then the global banking system is in a much worse shape than, than Unibail is all I would say. Okay, over to you, Ben. Did you make any mistakes last year? And if so, what did you learn from them? Yeah, we, we always make mistakes, Ali. Uh, it's part of the process. Uh, we came into the year uh, with a backbone of tech and, and we held on to some of those mega cap techs names a little bit longer than we should have. Uh, Meta was probably one of our worst performers during the year. We thought that big cap tech would be um, quicker and more aggressive at pulling the cost lever. Um, that took about a year to, to get started on that. Um, the other thing that we did was uh, we thought the consumer would be weaker. The, the slowdown has been very slow. It's a slow motion um, slowdown so far. Uh, so shorting consumer discretionary stocks, we were too early. And the big four banks, we thought they would do it tougher um, with high cost bases um, and the housing market really starting to slow, but they've been super resilient. So let's see if they can keep that up in 2023. Okay, what do you think investors need to get right in 2023 to be successful? You kind of mentioned resources before. Is there anything else that you think they need to get behind to be successful this year? As Neil said, you know, the market is pricing in a sort of uh, Goldilocks, uh, soft landing, a profitable recession kind of scenario. And if that happens, uh, you know, that would be a very unusual thing in history with inflation above 5%. I mean, the, the yield curve is inverted. It's the eight from eight perfect indicator that a recession is coming in the US. And this mortgage uh, cliff for, for the refis of fixed rate mortgages in the middle of the year is a big deal uh, for the Aussie consumer. So there is a good chance that we get um, inflation picked back up in the second half of the year, which means rates have to stay higher for longer, and that's not going to be great for equity. So patience, you might get another bite at this uh, later in the year. Okay. Are there any sectors you would be hiding in then in that environment? Well, I mean, like Neil, uh, resources, you know, they had a good year last year. That we think they look pretty attractive still with um, very strong balance sheets, very clean accounting, uh, high cash generation. And the supply situation is quite different to what we saw in the last resources boom. Um, it's very difficult to get new projects up and permitted. Um, and the ESG movement in, in energy in particular has made it super difficult to get new projects up. So the supply side is very supportive. And if we do have a soft landing, um, you know, resources should do pretty well this year. Okay, over to you, Neil. Ben sounds a little bit bearish. What sectors do you think can outperform this year? What sectors yeah. do investors need to get behind? Look, forecasting is very difficult and, and macro forecasting even more difficult than forecasting at a company level. So that's why I prefer to say what we think is priced in. I think the Goldilocks inflation is mostly priced in. If that continues, there'll be a bit more upside in you know, stock, growth stocks with long duration and, and defensive stocks, which we don't have a lot of exposure to. But that's a scenario where everyone is making a lot of money. So I don't mind lagging a more speculative market like that. Uh, the, the other two scenarios, the one where inflation proves more persistent is going to be a problem for both earnings because there'll be a, um, a crunch on margins as well as multiples. Um, you know, back in the 1970s, multiples were single digits when inflation didn't go away. So in that scenario, investors want to be focused on companies with strong cash flow and pricing power. Um, in that scenario where you need a recession to get rid of inflation, uh, you, you still need strong cash flows, but you really want to be very careful of leverage. Uh, and the most leveraged companies in the market are the banks. 
So that scenario where we need a recession to clear inflation, I don't think will end well for the banks. Neil, what kind of sectors do you think investors should be avoiding in that environment? Are there any stocks that you want to name or point out that you think investors should avoid? Uh, yes, I think, in, as I said, in persistent high inflation or recession needed to clear inflation, you want to be careful of leverage. Uh, I think some crowded sectors we feel uh, property trusts, even though they had a difficult year in 20, uh, 2022 and they've done quite well in the first month, they are highly leveraged. Uh, they're factoring in you know, very low cap rates relative to history. Mm. Uh, the market is priced them at about a 10 to 15% discount to what they're saying their properties are worth, but their cap rates are quite similar to what it costs the major banks just to borrow money. And there's no spread you know, for risk or property-specific risk. And the banks more generally, I mean, the banks ultimately you know, only have $5 capital for every $100 loan. So if you do think there's a recession coming, it's not the base case, but it's not priced in. You just want to be careful of stocks with leverage like the banks. Are there any names that you'd want to actually put out there? Yeah, well, within the banks, obviously, there's, there's two banks that are more expensive and two that are a bit cheaper. The ones that are more expensive being Commonwealth Bank and NAV is because they've been winning market share. Uh, the management teams are more highly regarded at the moment, so I suppose they would have, uh, they would have both the earnings downside plus potential fall in their stock market ratings, so that would probably be more at risk. How about within REITs? Yeah, I think we'd be probably avoiding the industrial REITs the most and the office REITs. At least the retail REITs already were pricing in some risk from online sales even leading into COVID, whereas we feel the industrial and the office REITs are, are basically the cap rates are very low versus history and uh, there's quite a lot of risk there. Okay, over to you, Ben. Which sectors do you think investors should avoid in this environment? And do you want to throw in some names there that you think could suffer over the next 12 months? Yeah, I'd be a little careful, um, like Neil said, on the banks. I uh, just want to agree with his point there that, you know, uh, they'd be a housing downturn would be at risk. And we've got a short in Bank of Queensland where the CEO recently left and the chairman pointed out that two of the reasons that, you know, they were concerned or made a change was was balance sheet uh, and, and risk, which are the two most important things for, for banks. So they've gained a bit of market share in recent years. So Bank of Queensland, we'd be careful of. Uh, but the space I wanted to talk about was lithium, uh, which has been a very hot sector, has attracted a lot of capital. Uh, the producers are probably okay. They're generating lot, lots of free cash with high prices, uh, but it's the hopefuls that are trying to um, develop new projects in interesting jurisdictions. Some of them are uh, trying to use new processes or less proven processes to extract the lithium. Um, many of them have got big market caps with no revenue. They're come capex. So we've got shorts in AVZ, Sayona and uh, Lake Resources, so we'd be careful of that space. Okay, I'm really excited for this. We asked our fundies to bring along their two highest conviction picks for the year ahead. Ben, over to you. What are your picks? Okay, uh, highest conviction picks. Uh, I'm going to use a, a US name that's off 30%. Uh, Alphabet, a stock we've owned for almost 11 years now. Um, we think that's getting um, thrown out a little bit with the big with the overall tech sell-off, and there's a lot of hype around this uh, chat GPT new AI tool that Microsoft has bought into. Um, finding great businesses when there's a question mark about their, their moat, uh, Visa and MasterCard when people were focused on buy now, pay later, or uh, FICO when people were concerned that AI was going to remove the need for credit scoring, turned out to be great buying opportunities. So we think Alphabet on around a market multiple with off 30% from its highs uh, and now having some uh, discipline around cost is, is a good buy. 
And number two? I've got a small cap short and a large cap short. Um, Australian Clinical Labs um, ACL is a small cap name that was a PE float, uh, private equity float. Uh, that, that listed during COVID and now volumes have collapsed. Um, they haven't come to the market yet about margins and we think that there's, uh, there's reasonable downside for margins. Uh, we've seen that with Helios as, as COVID uh, testing has collapsed mm. and private equity still needs to exit. So ACL and on the large cap side, uh, Fortescue has run very hard recently. Um, we're concerned around the um, future industries um, investment in hydrogen. We think that's a distraction and a big uh, drain on cash flows. Uh, so uh, Fortescue is a hedge against some of the other resource exposures in the book. Okay, over to you Neil. What's your two highest conviction picks for the year ahead and why? Um, we, we actually quite like Medibank, uh, the health insurer. Now look, it's trading on around a market multiple, but if you break it down, it's less risky than the average company. It's, it's obviously got annuity revenues in a recession. It's high return on capital, doesn't need a lot of capital to grow, doesn't have much debt. And it's quite high growth because the, the more you think there's going to be claims inflation, they actually pass it through in their prices and it gets aggregated at an at a industry level. Now, any industry where the government is meddling is a risk, um, but I, I think in this case that there's a lot of political support on both sides for private healthcare to remain. It's, quite a, it's one of the reasons we actually have a good public system. So I don't think the, the politicians will, will want to trash the sector. Now, why is it trading at a market multiple? Obviously, the cyber attack which could lead to market share loss, it could lead to fines, class actions, uh, but the company's market value has dropped about $2 billion since that cyber attack was announced and we think that's too much, so it presents a good opportunity to buy a low risk, high return on capital stock at a, at a discounted price. Okay, and number two for you? Um, you know, we, a stock we've, we've owned for a bit of time now is News Corp, which obviously is a long, long held conglomerate that's traded at a discount, but I th we think finally the management is serious about unlocking that discount. Uh, realestate.com, which is obviously separately listed, one of the best stocks on the exchange. We only valued it around $75 to $80 compared to the $120 it's trading, but News Corp owns 61% of it. So even if you put in you know, our lower valuation, they've got their own online classifieds business in the US, Re realtor.com, which has been speculated they're going to sell for up to $3 billion, which we've, we've only valued at $1 to $2 billion. They've got Dow Jones, which is a, a very strong subscription news business, which is trading much cheaper than, say, the New York Times. Uh, they've got book publishing, which is quite defensive. So it's a conglomerate that's always traded at a discount, but we're seeing some signs where they are prepared to unlock that discount, and there's quite a lot of value on offer if you look through its holdings. Well, there's a lot of value in that episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you did, why not give it a like? Remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're adding so much great content every week. Thanks for listening to Buy, Hold, Sell, brought to you by Livewire Markets, Australia's number one source of expert investment analysis and insights. Register for free online at livewiremarkets.com and you'll discover more exclusive investing articles, videos and podcasts.